0: I'm starting to think that more and more, the single most important idea that God wants to get across in the Old Testament to the Israelite nation is that they are to be different. They're set apart. They're not to mingle with the other nations. They're not to look like them. They're to be a light in the world of darkness. They belong to God and no one else. And when Israel listened and followed God... Amazing things happen. You don't believe me, read the book of Exodus, read the book of Joshua. Incredible stories. But when they lost their faith and began to intermarry and mingle with these nations, these pagan nations around them, all hell broke loose in Israel. And one of the worst things that would happen is when a leader, a king, would break away, usually through marriage, and would mingle with these other nations... He would begin to practice all of the immoral behavior of the pagan society and he'd bring it into Israel and then Israel would begin to practice it too because of poor leadership. Poor leadership. We hear about these poor leaders in the first reading. Jeremiah calls them bad shepherds. And my friends, when when sheep don't have a shepherd or when they have a bad shepherd, one of three things happens. They scatter, they get lost, or they get devoured. Few things in my priesthood have left the lay faithful more wounded, lost, scattered, devoured than the current lack of understanding and the all out attack against Catholic sexual morality. Two things I believe have led to this. Number one, a failure of the shepherds to speak. God reminds us in the first reading, he says, Woe to the shepherds who do not pasture my flock. And by the way, you know, some of you might be sitting back, you're like, yeah, I mean, the priests and bishops in the 70s, 80s, they didn't give us nothing. I'm not talking just about priests and bishops. Sure, we have spiritual leadership. I'm talking about parents, teachers, coaches, anybody who is charged with leadership of God's flock, ought to stand up for the truth. To the degree that you do that, you're a good leader. To the degree that you don't do that, you are a bad shepherd. A bad leader. And the second thing that has led to this is an increase in the voice of the false shepherds. Lying shepherds. Who promise all types of liberation. If you just throw off the restraints of God's law. God's word. I don't know if you know this, but this coming Sunday, July 25th, is the anniversary of a letter written by a very good shepherd who stood up against the world to lead his flock at a time that was crucial. The name of that shepherd was Pope Paul VI, and the name of his letter was Humane Vitae, which in English means on human life. One of the shortest encyclicals ever written. An encyclical is a Authoritative document written by a pope. It's only 14 pages. Maybe the shortest ever written, I don't know. But it was very quickly the most dissented to teaching, maybe in the history of the church. What does that mean? Nobody followed it, nobody wanted to follow it. Humane Vitae simply reaffirmed the teaches, church's teaching as to why contraception is intrinsically evil. And not only intrinsically evil, which means always evil, no matter what the circumstances, but it is also harmful to marital love. Why? Because it reduces this profoundly holy act of marital intimacy, which is supposed to be an act of total self gift, it reduces it to a lie. The bodies are saying everything I have is yours, but because of contraception, it's a lie. Not everything I have is yours. In fact, the greatest thing I can give to you, the power to create life, I won't give. That is not a total gift of self. Therefore, it is not a loving act. Few of us are probably aware of this, but all Orthodox Christians up to the 1930s taught and believed that contraception was an intrinsically, intrinsic evil and harmful to marital love. It wasn't until the 1930s that the Anglicans allowed, allowed for it, but only for marital, married husband and wife, and in very, very rare circumstances. But that opened the door. Martin Luther held that it was intrinsically evil. John Kelvin held that it was intrinsically evil. John Wesley held that it was intrinsically evil. In fact, all of the Protestant reformers of the 1500s held it was intrinsically evil. Even This one blew me away. Even the psychological sex maniac Sigmund Freud. He said it was bad. Now Freud came up with a lot of neat things in psychology, but if we're honest, the guy was a weirdo. He was. But he said contraception is the root of all sexual perversion. And when I'm talking about contraception, I'm talking about anything from tubal ligation to vasectomy... Hormonal contraceptive pill, IUDs, condoms, all of it. Anything that blocks life in the marital act. Gandhi. (laughs) This isn't just a Christian thing. It's a secular psychological thing. It's an Eastern religion thing too. Gandhi said this. No matter how well meaning the intention of those who practice it, Contraception will certainly lead To the further degradation of women by men And what blows my mind Is that feminism Champions this Liberation Women's rights Your body, protect it Take these pills These drugs When did life become a disease That we have to take pills for How does this happen? Now you might argue, you might sit back and say, Father, listen, you got a point, but let's be honest. A couple hundred years ago, people thought the world was flat. Really smart people thought that. We got new scientific data, and now we know the truth. Same with contraception. The problem with that argument is the only data we have... Since the mainstreaming of contraception into our culture is dismal at best, the facts are overwhelmingly in favor of God and his law. In, in Humanae Vitae, Paul VI, he wrote four reasons why contraception is a terrible idea for society. They have since been referred to as the four prophecies of Paul VI. Listen to these. This was in 1968. Listen to this. If you allow contraception to go mainstream in society and say it's a good for humanity, these four things will happen. Number one, there will be an increase in infidelity within marriage. Has that happened? Yes. Overwhelmingly. Two, there would be a general lowering of morality and moral standards, especially among the youth. Has that happened? Yes. Yes overwhelmingly. Third, men would continue to more greatly degrade and objectify and belittle women and see them simply as an object for pleasure. Has that happened? Yes, overwhelmingly. And finally, governments would begin to use contraception to control populations. Has that happened? Yes, overwhelmingly. And yet the world somehow champions this. I just read that, was it Prince Henry and, and Meghan, right? They, they, they just announced that they're only going to have two children for the good of population control. And they received an award for it, for being responsible parents. We've been so responsible with contraception that we can't even replenish the population of Europe. That's how responsible we've been. It's killing us. Anybody, can anybody reasonably challenge these predictions? The so-called sexual revolution, it didn't have to do with sexual liberation. We're slaves. We don't have better relationships between men and women. We have increased infidelity. We don't have stronger marriages. We have higher divorce rates. We have higher sexual immorality, promiscuity amongst the youth, more STDs, increase of sexual addiction, addiction to pornography. We have an increase of unwanted pregnancies with single-parent households. And probably the most disturbing thing of all is we have trivialized abortion, which is a byproduct of contraception. I want to give you just a super quick history lesson, okay? In 1960, the sexual revolution happened, right? Hippies, sex, drugs, rock and roll, Woodstock, the whole nine yards. Peace and love, okay? The only reason the sexual revolution happened is because contraception was mainstreamed in society. What is the philosophy of contraception? It is this. Sex, no babies. That's it. It's a simple philosophy. If you remember anything, remember that. Sex, no babies. Pleasure, no babies. In the sexual revolution, that's what's happening. Sex, no babies. Now, here's the thing. Watch how this happens. 60s is a sexual revolution. What moral issue happens in the 70s? Big, huge moral issue. We've been fighting for years. We have a march for it in Washington, D.C. Roe versus Wade. No culture has ever accepted abortion without first accepting contraception. And it makes sense. Why are you engaging in that act? Do you want babies? No. Is it 100% effective? No. Are people doing more of it? Yes. So your chances go up? Yes. And so it automatically follows that abortion is going to follow suit. Go from this, 1970s to 1980s. What happens in the 80s? In vitro fertilization. You ever heard of that? IVF. For those of you that don't know what it is, basically you take the eggs out of the woman, the sperm out of the man, you create a baby in the lab. What does contraception say? Sex, no babies. What does IVF say? Babies, no sex. Follow suit. Again, in the 1980s, the homosexual movement begins. What do they proclaim? Sex, no babies. There's no life. Fast forward to the 1990s. Euthanasia and pornography. For those of you who don't know what euthanasia is, it's the killing of old people. Assisted suicide. Why does that follow suit? Because contraception says, I get to decide when life begins. Euthanasia? I get to decide when life ends. You've already become a god at the beginning. Why not become a god the be- at the end? What is pornography? Sex, no babies. It's all pleasure. 2000s, what happened? We, we, we made this little sheep called Dolly. And everybody was so excited because we had cloned something. We went from a simple principle To all out playing God. I don't know if you know this. But in 2010. They successfully made what's called a chimera. A chimera is. When they take a human embryo. And an animal embryo. And they fuse it together. Try to make a subspecies to humanity. There's no ethic at all. There's no love for life. There's no dignity. And all of it. All of it. Has its root in contraception. Maybe it's time to reevaluate. Maybe it's time to try something new. Maybe God isn't so bad. And maybe He's not such a tyrant. The gospel is good news. Not just because it's eternal life, it's good news now. He wants us to be full of joy, life, not death. He doesn't want us to be slaves. So, what do you do? I want to give you four quick things. Number one, first, just step back and look at the wreckage. Look at all the lives that have been hurt. Maybe in your own families. Those who've been betrayed, broken promises as a result of the not understanding of God's teaching on the dignity of human life and sexuality. Look at the lies. If this is so good for us, why are we so broken? Second, study. Read about it. Learn about it. And don't read the secular crap. Read the real stuff. Three, repent. If contraception has been in your life, get rid of it. Go to confession, try something new. I have never met a family that said they had too many kids. But I have met thousands of families that said they wish they had more. It is almost impossible to live in this culture and not have a a disordered understanding of sexuality. God wants you to be ordered, He wants you to be free. And it takes work, sacrifice. It's intense. You're not going to be comfortable. Why? Because God is not interested in your comfort. He's interested in your character, who you are. And he wants you to be a saint. And finally, pray. God is the only one that can fix this mess at this point. But he's going to do it through us. We are to be lights in this world of darkness. We're to be different like the Israelite nation. We are the new Israel, a nation set apart, a light on a hill. And to the extent, my friends, that we shine brightly, we will rebuild this culture that is scattered, lost, and terribly wounded.